Hi, everyone. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us here at CBE Denver's podcast, Mutuality Minded. We at CBE Denver seek to advance the gospel by equipping Christians to use their God-given talents in leadership and service regardless of gender, ethnicity, or class. We aspire to encourage one another to develop leadership skills and spiritual gifts for the purpose of building up the body of Christ through the Word of God. During this episode, we will be discussing what mutuality-mindedness looks like within a ministry partnership. But before we get started, I wanted to introduce our guests on the podcast today, Katie and Chuck Fowler. Yay! Hi! (laughs) What's going on? Uh, We... They both have graduated from Fuller Theological Seminary and are co-pastors of this church plant, Nova, but also are pastors at Corona Church. So you guys are just super busy (laughs) all the time. Um, And they have two little boys. So if you didn't think two churches was enough, two (laughs) children on top of that, and two is just the theme here of two years in Denver. Wow. So many twos. Well, thanks for joining us today, Chuck and Katie. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, yeah. excited to be here. Yeah. Oh, awesome. It's a pleasure. It's going to be great. Well, before we get started and hearing more about ministry and working together specifically, can I just say it is not often that we have co-pastors who are married? How cool is that? So cool. Um, would you guys mind sharing a little bit more how you two met? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Chuck and I met about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was working at a church in Colorado Springs. I was on staff there, and Chuck came back to Colorado Springs. Yeah, I uh, was. I'm originally from Colorado Springs, but I went away to college. And when I moved back, I got involved at um, the church where Katie was on staff. Got involved with their young adult ministry, and um, we kind of hung around the same group of friends for a while um, before I eventually asked her out and then we started dating. Yeah, we realized that that first fall that we met, that was the fall that I was ordained as a pastor. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so like Chuck was new to the church and he came to my ordination service, but like we didn't even really know each yeah. other that well. Like he was there for <laughs> that service. It was just service. kind of the thing the community was doing yeah. and so I, I showed up. But oh, um, The Lord's provision. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The big moments. The big moments, yeah. yes. I'm yeah. glad it was there. So the first time we ever met was at a young adult um, worship night. So I was there early, I was setting up, and here comes the new guy. Yeah, I was super a early. guest, and I was so early. I, I was like... So I'm like so running around was, trying to get ready, yeah. and he comes in, and he's like, hey, I am Chuck. I'm like, cool, can you open like a bag of chips? Like, yeah. can you help me get ready? Like, yeah. I'm just like, you're early, man. You gotta help yeah, me set our, up. Our like, first interaction was... Um, open these chips. Open these chips. Can you help me set up for the and night? And then we got so, married. And oh, we've long been story doing short. it ever since. Yes. Started with food. There you go. Yeah. That was hilarious. Well, that's awesome. So you guys are, I mean, you mentioned this. You're both ordained pastors, which is no easy feat. I mean, I know I'm working on my ordination stuff right now. Yeah. It is a process. Yeah. 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 What was that journey like for each of you? Yeah. It probably makes sense for Katie to answer first because she was ordained first. So. Yeah, so I, okay, so from the Southeast, um, Georgia, Florida, went to high school, college in Florida, and and really late high school, college, Uh especially college, I was starting to do ministry. I was interning with my home church back home during the summer, I was volunteering with Young Life, my sophomore year of college, that was the first time I ever like wrote out a Bible study and led a Bible study. So I think for me, it was in the doing that I was starting to feel like this is where I came alive, that this is what yeah. I was like made to do, supposed to do. Now, I grew up in a church um, 
that celebrated women in leadership, but we didn't have any women pastors on staff. So I didn't see it. I, I think mm. I'm sure there were women elders, but I wasn't like as a high schooler hanging didn't around were, the elder yeah, meeting, you so. know, I didn't see that. So in college, it was really the first time that I was exposed to some of the scripture passages that on face value seem to say that women should not be in leadership. So in college, I was really kind of struggling with this sort of, I'm doing ministry, I feel called, I feel affirmed, I'm recognizing gifts. Um, and then there's these, these passages and trying to understand. So really, at, in college, felt called to go to seminary as a next step. Mm-hmm. But at that point in my journey, I would have said women should not be pastors. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see myself, I think I had an image in my head of what a pastor is. And I was yeah. like, that's not, that's not me. So I was like, God's calling me into ministry, like whatever kind of youth or college ministry or whatever. So I felt led to go to seminary, um, still saying no to Mm. being ordained. And really, I kind of joke around those three years at Fuller, like it took those three years for God to kind of work on my stubbornness and my no. And it was this process of seeing other women who are clearly called women around me. It was me being in ministry and experiencing pushback, but really having to process through how God was meeting me in that and mm-hmm. revealing himself as for me in that, even as I was experiencing pushback. And then ultimately, really, it was studying scripture. I took a class in First Corinthians and, and seeing some of these passages that, again, on face value, seemed to say women couldn't teach or have authority. And then really seeing the, the redemptive arc of scripture wow, and what God is bringing yeah. about in new creation. Mm-hmm. Lots of voices in that, too, speaking into that, preaching professors and people from my home church encouraging me. So at the end of seminary, I'm getting ready to graduate, and then I say, okay, yes, I will pursue ordination. Got an offer to come to First Presbyterian in Colorado Springs and do a residency, and that was the first time I was in a local church, you know, day in and day out, worshiping, working there, and seeing men and women leading together, mm. and seeing this like this healthy picture of men and women serving on pastoral staff um, in this in this partnership way, and so that was huge for me of seeing yeah. it, um, having mentors who are encouraging me in that, and and taking those steps towards completing the ordination process. Oh my goodness! Wow, that's incredible, and I love how. I mean, what brought you to finally stepping into what you felt like was being asked of you, right? Was uh, scripture. Yeah. How cool. And then that being affirmed with mentors and people speaking into your life that earned the respect to speak into your life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I had a a preaching professor who said to me, he knew my struggle, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, you're so afraid you're being disobedient if you pursue ordination, mm. but what if you're being disobedient if you, you don't, don't, if you mm. don't pursue it? And so those, those moments along the way where you're like, Oh, okay, Lord. <laughs> They're like the aha moments. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I got it. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, um, so my, my dad was a pastor in the assemblies of God. Um, my parents were church planters um, for a period of time. And so in a lot of ways, um, that was kind of the water I swam in growing up. Um, but I really didn't want to be a a pastor. I really didn't want to be in church ministry. It didn't, uh, I think I had a picture in my mind of what that meant and I didn't fit who I thought I was. Um, and that was kind of, um, made worse by, 
um, an experience I had um, out of high school. It's a period of time where I worked on staff at a church, and it was a really kind of toxic environment mm. and um, really actually pretty abusive, um, spiritually abusive, and um, that really damaged my faith in a lot of ways. Mm. And for a period of time, I really wanted nothing to do with the church and was really distrustful of um, pastors and Christian leaders. And so I went through a process um, of kind of deconstruction and reconstruction, like finding my faith again. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really when I came to First Pres um, in Colorado Springs, and um, it was that um, experience of community, but also in particular seeing um, women in pastoral roles, that somehow that broke down for me the 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 barrier that of, of distrust that I had with like that pastoral office. Mm. Um, because there were these women who were embodying it, and it was it was men who had um, kind of done harm to me and, and abused me in that um, in that setting, and so somehow that was able to like break down that barrier for me and help me to uh, find some healing and rebuild some trust with the church and with. Um, pastors and Christian leaders. And so I think that was a really significant milestone for me in, in my journey. Um, and kind of at the same time, I was part of this community, becoming friends with Katie, discovering I was interested in her, and then um, pursuing a relationship with her. And, you know, on a kind of in parallel to that, I'm I'm getting involved with the young adult group. I'm stepping into leadership roles, kind of finding myself coming alive in those ways um, of I really enjoy like teaching scripture, talking mm. about theology. Um, and it had been an, that had been an interest of mine for for years before, but like it was really, yeah, I, I find I found myself coming alive to that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I remember, did we tell the story yet about Joe? Um, I remember I got uh, breakfast with one of Katie's colleagues and, uh, you know, um, kind of on the surface, I was there to you know, talk about ordination, talk about like next steps and seminary and all that. And But then at the end of the conversation, I was like, so Joe, do you think, what, what would you think, would it be appropriate for me to ask Katie out on a date? And... <laughs> And he was like, oh, yeah. so that's what this Joe's was Joe's like, about. this wasn't about seminary. <laughs> this is about asking Katie out. <laughs> but also, Katie. you should go to seminary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, man, that's crazy. But what I love about you, both of you guys' stories is the Lord met you where, met you where you're at individually. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. as you're pursuing like the Lord's call upon your life, that's how it intertwined. Like, mm -hmm. how cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think about, you know... I'm not a pastor because my husband's a pastor. Like we mm. both have our sense of calls. And yet in the goodness and grace of God, the way that God just intertwines these things mm. and does call us together. Oh, for sure. Like both can be true, you know, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I love that. Well, thanks for sharing that. Wow. Mm. So cool. Now the million dollar question. Um, so you both jointly have been able to live out the call God has put on your lives in ministry together. What does that look like? 
yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think um, from the very beginning um, of Katie's and my relationship, we uh, we really did have this vision of being able to be um, co-partners, like in ministry, um, and I think you know we often so like the core conviction of our life is Jesus is making all things new. Like mm-hmm. that was the scripture that was read at our wedding, you know, Revelation 21, five, like that's, that's our heartbeat. Jesus is making all things new. We often joke that, um, N.T. Wright was our matchmaker, um, <laughs> because it was kind of bonding over talking about, um, one of his books that we were reading, um, that that's kind of like kind of sparked our interest in each other. Um, we actually got a chance to to meet him briefly, and we were dating. he didn't know what to do with that. We went that. to hear him speak, and we told him that he was our matchmaker, and he was like, oh, oh. Like, he didn't know what to, like, that was a really bad N.T. Wright impression, but he was like, great. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was that we both have been deeply shaped by N.T. Wright, but this, this idea that Christ is renewing all things, that Christ mm-hmm. is making all things new. And so for each of us, that just shapes how we show up in the world and our ministry and our leadership. And we pray our marriage and our family that, mm. that one of the signs of renewal is actually men and women mm-hmm. serving together and leading together. And what's been lost in the fall being remade in Christ. And so that's been kind of the impetus for all that we yeah. do. I mean, our church plant, Nova, it just means new. And mm. our vision is to see signs of Christ renewal in central Denver and beyond. Mm -hmm. And so I do think as we partner together, like that's actually a sign of like, um, something new is being, is being done in Christ and and hierarchy and divisions and all these things can actually fall away by the power of the spirit. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we got married, you know, I was working full time at a church. I was a pastor on staff pretty soon after after we got married, yeah, about seven seminary. years ago, mm-hmm. Chuck starts seminary. Um, he's full time student. Then we had our first son in 2017. So Chuck's stay at home dad and finishing up grad school. Yep. And oh my goodness! I'm working at the church, and and we kind of knew. Okay, obviously we're headed towards a transition season as mm-hmm. Chuck is finishing up his his studies and doing the ordination yeah. process with our denomination, and and so there was just this desire of we would love to be working somewhere together. And we would say like long-term dream, we want to be co-pastors because we just didn't know when it was going to come about, Mm -hmm. but that's certainly what we were pursuing. You know, there was a couple opportunities I had in the sort of what's next period. And it was just this question for us of, we really want to land somewhere. We're praying we land somewhere where we both can be thriving in ministry. So that was really one of the biggest sort of discernment points for for whatever was next. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. So how, I mean, I mean, we talk about, I mean, as pastors and leaders in the church, we talk about mutuality in the church all the time, right? And it's a hot topic to talk about still, right? But how have you guys both embraced biblical mutuality, not only in the workplace, so in the church, but additionally in home life? What does that look like? Yeah. You know, yeah. okay. So we've been in Denver for two years, just about just uh-huh. shy. And when we first got here, we're essentially sharing a position, um, between these two churches. And so when we first got here, it was just like, 
passing a baby. I mean, it was like whoever was working, the other person was home with the kids. Uh-huh. And we would just kind of keep passing. And we're like, well, this doesn't really work. Yeah. There's some co-pastors, <laughs> and we actually need time to meet, and we actually yeah. need time to get in front of a whiteboard and have a conversation yeah. without someone asking for juice. And, you know. Yeah, it was, it was super naive at the beginning of like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll make it work. And it's like, yeah, this is not working. So we've added, you know, some, like, childcare, yep. some pieces in that, grandma, to help yeah. us. Um, but it is very much a shared partnership. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when it comes to the work that we're doing in these two churches, when it comes to parenting and discipling our two boys, I mean, it's not, it's not divided on Chuck's the guy, I'm the woman, here's how it's going to play out. It's, yeah. it's about um, sharing this, this workload and, and partnering together and recognizing too, I feel like we've learned a lot about each other in the past two years of uh, where our gifts are and, and where our strengths and weaknesses are uh-huh. Um, and how, and not just not just me and Chuck, but our community and our team and mm. the people around us that we need to be able to raise our boys, plant a church. I mean, anything, yeah. All, yeah. all the above, you know. I mean, the church is like your other baby too, right? <laughs> right, yeah. right. It's true. Yeah, I think um, uh, sometimes the assumption is, um, and I've heard lots of people say, like, um, you know the buck has to stop with someone like, you know, who does the buck, who does the buck stop with? Like, um, and I think, you know, what Katie and I have realized is like, you know, the buck stops with Jesus. Like, um, you know, we're sharing this role, sharing, um, authority in the church, uh, in the home. And it's like, well, we're, um, you know, w- when we come to an impasse, when we come to a decision where, you know, we disagree and we're like, okay, how do we navigate this? How do we, how do we move forward? Um, our first move is to pray, to, Mm. to, to bring it to the Lord and to, to kind of put it in his hands. And we found that when we do that, when we kind of step back, um, and take off the the pressure to to make that decision in that moment. Um, that usually there is a clarity that comes, and and there the decision is the decision becomes clearer, um, or we're able to see it from a different perspective. Or you know sometimes you know we'll we'll defer to each other if like you know because you know with Katie because of her like um, experience or. Um, if there's a particular conviction that I have, you know, we'll just say, okay, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm going to choose to, to trust that. And I'm going to submit to like what you're saying and what you're feeling right now. Um, you know, it is a little bit, it's a bit of a dance of, of navigating that. But, you know, I think, um, for us, both in our ministry and in our marriage, you know, we say that there's no, there's no trump card. There's no, um, you know, you get the final say or I get the final say. Um, Jesus gets the final say. And that's, that's how we, we try to live in our home. And that's how mm-hmm. we try to lead the church together. And yeah. Yeah, it was funny hearing Chuck say that because I'm like, yeah, we don't even think about that. Like, who has a trump card? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, you know. Yeah. But I think, too, you know, we work, our two churches, they're part of a Presbyterian denomination. And so in that, there's an ethos of shared leadership. So, again, mm-hmm. it's not just me and Chuck, but yeah. it's our elders or 
coaches we have or spiritual directors. I just started seeing a counselor that's just across the street from where we're meeting. I was like, oh, I was just there last week. Like, yeah. We have these people in our lives because mm-hmm. we don't want just me and Chuck. We want people speaking in. Mm-hmm. We want to lead with other people. We want the coaches in our life pointing out what we can't see or what, you know, again, like the gifts or, or wirings, temperaments that we don't possess between the two of us. And we need other people around us. Mm-hmm. We yeah. definitely need grandma. We know that yeah, totally. <laughs> in our support system. Yeah. That's huge. Wow. But. And I love that you guys both touch on this, this topic of disagreement. I feel like um, culturally, this is a topic we don't address enough of what is like disagreement and conflict look like. Yeah. Yeah, it often is so polarized of somebody has to make the decision, um, yeah. but coming and approaching it from a both hands open. Yeah. Yeah. What an incredible model. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, I like resolution. I don't like tension. <laughs> I like getting to, but I, yeah, as you were saying that, I was just struck by, I think we miss out in the process. If we're yes. just so like, mm-hmm. we got to get there. We got to nail it down. We got to get an answer. You can miss what the Holy Spirit is, is doing in us mm. through the conversations and through the process too. Yeah. yeah. It is a process for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I I agree with that. I mean, if we don't think about the process and we don't think about what we're being taught in it, Mm -hmm. there's no reflection without reflection. We can't really grow from what we don't know. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh, I love that. Well, what are some of your greatest challenges and victories from ministering to men and women together? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, to Davis, maybe an illustration of the challenges, like, you know, um, we were we were late to this recording, and um, because we were driving to drop off our kids with my parents so they could watch them, and then you know then we got caught in traffic. There was an accident on I twenty five, and so you know a hilarious chain of events. Google Maps rerouted us, and then oh, we no. ended up. Um, it rerouted us, but then there was a train on the tracks that was like blocking the, yeah. the path. We're like staring at a so stalled like, train, yeah. and we're like, "Wait, what do you do now, Google yeah, Maps?" It's like this <laughs> line of cars, you know, backing up yeah. from this like stalled train on the tracks, and so it's like, okay, so so we were late, and so we 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 apologize for that. But yeah, but oh, we were thinking, fine. you know, like that's that's part of the cost of doing ministry together, right? right. Uh-huh. Like if it was just me showing up for this podcast, Chuck would be with the boys, or yeah. vice versa. But they're like we're saying we. We want to do this together and there's just there's just realities and limits of yeah life yeah life exactly <laughs> so i think that's something we're still yeah figuring out um there's not always tons of sleep in our house all the time <laughs> you know what i mean like all those realities yeah. um yeah like very ordinary everyday sorts of sorts of things i mean those, those ordinary everyday challenges that everyone faces yeah but those are those are the challenges of that we face in doing ministry together i think for us too like we, we really struggle with, okay, when do we stop talking about work? Right. You know, yeah. I mean, like, he's my coworker and my roommate and my husband and my, <laughs> you know, like, like, so I think that's the, the boundaries. And we were just, we were talking with a friend yesterday. He's a pastor in town and he was just speaking like such wisdom and encouragement over us of like, at the end of the day, you want your kids to love Jesus mm. and you want your marriage to be flourishing. And whatever mm. happens with these churches, that's just like icing on the cake. Like you mm. want to be faithful to Jesus. So let go of the need to succeed. I'm doing air quotes right now. The, like whatever that is, yeah. right? Like the let need go to impress, of, anyone. impress other yeah. people. Yeah. Like, and so I think those are challenges that are common to all of us in mm-hmm. ministry and leadership yeah. of at the end of the day, Yes, of course I believe my win is to be faithful to Jesus and to let go of 
the need to impress or the need to succeed or, you know what I mean? But mm. I do think those are things we come back to all the time. Like, yeah, I think because I work with my, not just because I should say, not just because I work with my husband, but certainly because I do, I daily face my ego and my shadow side mm. and my self-centeredness. And I think that'd be true across the board in ministry and leadership. But of course that happens in this context. You know what oh, I mean? Sure, yeah. And so it's rich for the Holy Spirit to move and to bring transformation but you're you're daily facing that of why do I always need to be right? Why why do I hate being corrected? Or you know what mm, I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when when you're doing something a little unusual and when you're doing something that's a bit out of the norm, you probably feel more of a pressure to like prove yourself and to prove your worth and to say you know hey look at us see this success that that is coming from what we're doing and it's like well. That that pressure is not is not healthy, and that's not going to lead us into success or flourishing life, or mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Jesus isn't calling us to that. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. I and what I hear in both of what you guys have been saying is the importance of boundaries mm-hmm. and expectations, yeah. and doing the intentionality of self work yes. of where are you at mm-hmm. and how am I what are my motivations for what I'm doing? And yeah. yeah. I'm a big totally. fan of Ruth Haley Barton, the author. Mm-hmm. And, and she talks a lot about the best thing you bring to your leadership is your own transforming self. Oh yes. Like how you are showing up and the work the spirit's doing in you. Like that's the gift you're going to offer your church. That's mm-hmm. the gift you're going to offer your family. Right. Yeah. So I think that's really important. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, what about some of the victories? What has gone well doing things together? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, this was our dream to get to yeah. do ministry together. And I think we're just thrilled Like we were driving yesterday, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just turned to Chuck and I'm like, I'm so happy we're getting to do this. Like, this yeah. is just, we want to be about creating space for young adults, um, in the church. Mm-hmm. And we want to be about reimagining church and helping the church live on mission with God. Mm. We want to be about helping people. Um, enter into spiritual practices where they're encountering the presence of God. I mean, there's all these things that we're passionate about and I feel like we have room to play and room Mm. to, to try it out. Yeah. I think the idea of us being co-pastors and partners in ministry, you know, specifically being the, the co-pastor thing, like that was our dream, but that we imagined that would be like decades down the road. That would be like maybe the thing we would get to do at the end of our, like, you know, vocational career in yeah. ministry and and here we are getting you know for me it's the beginning and you know it's such a gift to yeah. be able to mm-hmm. to be doing this so wow. yeah very cool it is a gift sounds like it sounds like it's an answered prayer yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah well last question for you guys so how would you encourage christians today to embody biblical mutuality yeah yeah, I think in a lot of ways it comes down to, um, I would just encourage um, anyone listening to this podcast to um, take some time to consider how you think about power. Um, I think a lot of um, American Christians have certain kind of expectations or certain thoughts about what power is, how we um, use power and, and what power looks like and it's it's interesting um to me how often when 
when Christians talk about um, gender roles, that it goes it goes back to this idea of power, uh, who has power, who has say, who gets the last say, that those sorts of questions. Um, and I think that actually is a little bit revealing about mm-hmm. um, the idea of like, well, can't isn't a relationship without power dynamics possible? Um, and obviously that goes beyond just marriage relationships and um, gender roles, but like how we relate to each other in the church and how the mm-hmm. church operates and mm-hmm. how um, how do we operate within society? Uh, I think, um, yeah, how do we, how, what is our relationship with power? And mm-hmm. I think that's um, mm-hmm. a really important question that I think folks mm-hmm. should reflect on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally agree. And it's a, a hot word for America. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I love, I mean, I think part of what Chuck's bringing up too is what do we think leadership is and yeah. who's mm-hmm. influencing our models of leadership and what it means to lead in the church or in the home or wherever. Um, yeah. I was reading a book last night that was including teaching from Dallas Willard, a theologian and a philosopher. And, and part of what Dallas Willard had said at a conference was when you read scripture, it's not so much that you're reading it and, and thinking, okay, I need to do these things, mm-hmm. but it's actually inviting us to become the sort of people Mm. who do these things. It is about our transformation. It's about who we're becoming that you would naturally submit, that you would naturally um, have the same mindset as Christ, that you would consider others more important than yourself. So I think that's a really important word of, it's not just, uh, you know, okay, die to self, do it, die to self or or lay down your your will or any of these things. But it is this process of formation. I mean, I alluded Mm -hmm. to that earlier, right? Like I think over these past two years, I've been working with Chuck Yes, it's been hard in some ways because I've come face to face with my pride and my ego, but what a gracious gift of God mm. that there is this invitation to respond to the movement of the spirit and to lay down the false self. I was thinking about that. It's sort of this, again, this paradox at the heart of the Christian faith, like you're dying to yourself and you're becoming your true self. Mm. So in my relationship with Chuck, we're helping each other become our true selves in Christ mm-hmm. as it calls for a dying to self, yeah. mm-hmm. that we can become the sort of people, yeah. become the sort of churches, become the sort of pastoral staffs mm. um, that, that do this, that follow in the way of Jesus of emptying ourselves for the sake of the other. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Love that. Well, thanks you guys for hopping on this podcast today. This has been so beautiful to hear your story, to hear your hearts, to just learn and grow and continue to learn as we all are, <laughs> right? Um, so I know it's just been a blessing for me to hear part of your story. Thanks, Taylor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Super Taylor. fun to be here. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, of course. Yeah, so great. Um, well, thanks to you guys, too, for listening in with us today at CBE Denver's Mutuality Minded Podcast. If you want more information about CBE Denver or would like to engage in further dialogue and conversation about the topics we discuss here today, check out our website at cbedenver.com or visit our Facebook and Instagram pages for more info. Um, So wherever you guys may be, whether you're going to work, hitting the gym, cooking at home, doing all of the things, thanks for joining us here today and remember to stay mutuality minded. Until next time.